pad up. It's the Australian Cricket Podcast. And here are your hosts. Welcome to the Australian Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menas, and this is episode 199 of the podcast. And that was the first Australian batsman to be dismissed for 199 in a test match. That was Matthew Elliott way back in 1997 in England. Welcome to the show. This week, while I get ready for the big 200th episode, I have a special phone interview with one of Australia's leading cricket writers, Ben Horn, who writes for the Daily Telegraph in Sydney, a man with his finger on the pulse of all the cricket action and news. So let's get into the chat with Ben Horn. Welcome to the show, Ben. How are you? Very good, man. As yourself? Yeah, very good. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, this is episode 199 of the show. And I'm going to get things <laughs> straight off. I'm going to test your cricket knowledge. Can you name the three Aussie test batsmen to be out for 199? <laughs> this is this is, uh, this is is not my forte, Manners. Uh, cricket history, is it, can you give me some clues? Well, I think you would, have, you would have probably seen all three. They're certainly in our lifetime of cricket <laughs> watching. You want any hints? Um couple of Steves in there. One bloke a with Steve a big schnoz. Steve and a Steve Waugh. Yep, that's it. So um, Steve <laughs> Waugh in, in West Indies and Steve Smith in uh, the West Indies as well. And then one more before that. Do you remember in the Ashes in 97? Um, big schnoz. <laughs> Mate, uh, no. Bill Laurie no. lookalike. <laughs> Mate, Matt Elliott, that's right. Out for 199, bold Darren Goff. I think he's still hurting about that one. All right, so this is episode 199. Let's hope I'm not dismissed one short of 200. Based on how I went there, I don't think I'd be getting past uh, past North. That's all right. It's not a stat show. So um, now, Ben, you're reporting for the Daily Telegraph on cricket. I just want to ask you, for the listeners, are you someone that's just – always ready to go when there's cricket news. So if, if something drops in the cricket world, do you just drop everything and head straight for it? Pretty much, man. It's, yeah, I mean, I do a bit of um, Australian rules football in the, in the winter. But Can we no, talk about yeah, that? My, my job is, uh, is definitely cricket. So, yeah, at this time of year, I mean, you'd normally be expecting to, um, yeah, be putting the feet up a little bit, but certainly hasn't been the case this winter with all the MOU discussions. And, and uh, now we're off to... Bangladesh, so yeah, it's you know it's an exciting um, it's an exciting sport to cover because it you know in many ways it does go uh, twelve months of the year. So yeah, you never know what's what to expect really. And there's like a, a, a cricket line into your office. So if something happens, if the phone rings, you're you're off. You like <laughs> yeah. Gav. Um, now, <laughs> now, all right. So let's start with the big news in the Australian cricket team. Uh, the management have appointed a, a new fielding and wicket-keeping coach. Out goes Greg Blewett, who is uh, moving back to South Australia to take up a job there, and in comes Brad Haddon. Uh, what do you think of his appointment? I, I really like it, actually. I mean, I think Brad Haddon's someone who has, um, you know, real ambition to, to be a coach, and uh, I think he's got the right makeup 
to be a coach. Uh, he, he's very straight down the line. He doesn't mince his words. And, um, you know, I think he'll, you know, as a recently retired player who played with a lot of players in this side, I think he will, you know, command the respect of, of those guys. So I think it's particularly good for Matthew Wade. I mean, he's a player who is under constant scrutiny for his glove work. I mean, I, I think he has earned his spot ahead of, Peter Neville, and he, since he since you know that controversial decision, he hasn't really done anything to you know for, for the selectors to go back on that, but also perhaps hasn't really cemented his spot either. So I think having Brad Haddon there will uh, will really help his his game, and uh, I think I think he's a good person for the group. Yeah, a couple of things about his appointment. Do you think it comes across a little bit as a jobs for the boys thing that Haddon's all of a sudden retired and then given a job in the Australian cricket team rather than sort of plying away coaching at a domestic level first? Yeah, look, I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting point, but he has, uh, and I know you know he has only been a couple of years retired, but he has been in the system. He's done a, a couple of assistant gigs. Uh, he did one in New Zealand this year uh, when the Australian One Day side went there. I think he's done at least one Australia A uh, tour as well, and it's it's a different it's a you know it's a pretty niche position. I mean he's a you know he's one of the best cricketers Australia's produced over the last ten years. So I don't yeah it's hard to hard to get better than someone who's just out of the system. I mean I tend to think that you want guys who are who are fresh and you know have fresh ideas and and who are you know who are familiar with you know what it takes to win cricket in um, 2017. So. Look, I think he's, he actually fits the bill on a couple of areas. I think he's, uh, you know, he's got he's got talents in that kind of uh, realm as a coach, and also he, he's shown um, that he has a bit of an ambition for it. Uh, we've got Ryan Harris in the in the touring party as well for Bangladesh. Um, he's the he's going to be the bowling coach. It's not his permanent position, but but David Saker is um is having a break for this tour because he's then the head coach. For the one-day series in India that follows, with Darren Lehman having a break. So, look, I uh, I think it's a good thing to have guys who are you know who are recently retired, and you know I can't think of for a few for, as, as fielding coach um, and a guy to work with wicket keeper. I can't think of anyone who's better qualified. Well, the, do you think as well that Haddon will make a a good contribution to the culture of the team? I mean, you know, Haddon was renowned for being such a good character in and around the bunch. Is he someone that you think can sort of influence some of the younger people in the team? I think so. I mean, he's like I said, he he's his characteristic is he's um yeah he's a straight shooter and you know he's you know where you stand with Brad Haddon. So I think that's a that's a good thing for young players. He. He gets along very well with uh, with Steve Smith, and I know when he was playing and Steve Smith first took over the captaincy, he was a real sounding board for for Steve Smith. So you know, I think he fits in well in that respect. And we've got a lot of guys in Australian cricket who are um, who are putting their hand up, perhaps to take over from Darren Lehman when he steps aside, probably after the uh, 2019 Ashes series. And um, you know, Justin Langer probably at the head of the list from mine, but. I wouldn't be surprised if at some stage in the future Brad Haddon has a fairly uh, senior coaching role in Australian cricket. 
Yeah, I'd like to see how he went coaching like a, a six, the Sydney Sixers or a, a domestic side before he was given the main job. Uh, but one mm. thing that was interesting about in once he got appointed, he was talking about how he wants to make the Aussie team an intimidating fielding unit again. And he referenced Andrew Simons and Ricky Ponting sort of prowling around the infield when he was um, wicket-keeping for Australia and how that really intimidated sides. I think that's a fair point, but I think one area that Australia really needs to intimidate oppositions is with slip fielding. I think if we can build up a really strong slips cordon, that puts a lot of pressure on the opposition. Yeah, and it's been a real uh, problem for Australia now for a few years is that back in, um, I suppose, the golden era of Australian cricket uh, and for decades of Australian cricket, the the top batsmen in the team were also just naturally excellent fieldsmen. At the moment, you see a lot of the guys who are uh, are coming into the into the spot into the top spots, you know, at the top of the batting order aren't necessarily great fieldsmen, and and it has caused a problem where we've you know we, we've lost those specialist players. Um, there's a couple that have come in now that look like they'll, they'll improve things, like Matt Renshaw. Was, you know, they've shown faith in him to throw him straight in the first slip, and Peter Hanscom's obviously got a great set of hands fielding in close as well. So. Yeah, look, fielding from Australia has been extremely patchy over the last few years. Um, they got it right for the World Cup that they won, but if you remember, even before that, they were they were fairly ordinary. So it's been a very up and down, and um, it's it's crucial. I mean, it's 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 an aspect of the Australian team that I guess was taken for granted for a long time. But it's uh, you know, good fielding side goes a long way to winning. Yeah, I just think if we can really intimidate from the slips, Corden, there's nothing worse than dropping chances in the slips. It just gives the opposition a lot of confidence. It saps the bowler's confidence if a chance goes down. So, you know, you said you got Renshaw at first slip. He's got some big mitts ready to catch the ball. He's looked pretty good so far. You've got Smith probably at second. And then I guess third Smith is open. Either Hanscom, Kawaja sometimes goes in there. But, yeah, I think that's something mm. Haddon can really change. Mm. Yeah, I agree, man. I think um, I think that that's a that's a really big area that Australia can improve in, and um, you know, it's something that for the lower levels of the game that I think coaches at state level really need to work out. I mean, guys can't just be able to bat. You know, if you're a top order batsman, you have to you have to be able to do a real job in the field as well. And I think that that sort of skill uh, has has possibly been lost over the last few years. So I think that's got to be a big focus for, for state coaches as well. Well, uh, let's see how Haddon goes with his appointment. Um, now, you're heading off to Bangladesh very soon for the upcoming two-test tour. I was wondering, are you at all nervous about going to Bangladesh with the current security situation there? Um, oh, look, I, I've tried to not think about it too much. I mean, we're sort of... Sorry. We're, we're going... No, no, no. We, um, we're going with... It's, I suppose it's an unusual tour in the sense that we're probably being looked after a little bit more by um, by Australian cricket in terms of their security. So I feel pretty comfortable that if the Australian cricket team's going, uh, we'll be okay as well. Um, so will you be pretty close with the Aussie team in terms of you'll be sort of come under their security arrangements? Oh yeah, I mean not directly, but um, you know we'll be uh, we'll be well looked after, and there won't be much sort of venturing out. I don't think, aside from going to matches and and uh, and training. I mean, the thing about this tour is that it's very short, so it's not uh, like an Indian tour where you're there for six weeks and there's a lot of time to kill between matches. This is very much a in and out type situation, and, and I'm only getting there a couple of days before 
the tour. So I think it, you know, it'll be pretty, um, it, it'll pretty much be just getting to the ground for the matches. But look, um, you know, I suppose there's, there's always, um, these risks that, that you take when you travel, but I, uh, you know, I, I've never felt in an unsafe position where I've uh, when I've gone away, and I think, um, you know, you know, we're lucky that sort of got uh, big companies looking after us. So um, I think I think it'll be all right. Yeah, Macca had an idea that we should send Gav over because he'll blend in more. He won't stand out in a crowd so much. So uh, that might <laughs> I think be an option. He, I, I think he might be coming. There you go. Um, right, so let's get back to the cricket. Do you think Bangladesh start favourites for this Test series? Because I do. I think Bangladesh have to be favourites. Mm. Look, I think at the very least it's a it's a fifty fifty proposition for Australia. I think if they can uh, recapture the not so much the form but the attitude that they adopted in India, I think they'll win. Australia, they, they really had a clear focus going into that series. And obviously, you know, a couple of things went their way perhaps um, early on. But I think the intensity that Australia took to India was exactly what was needed. In the end, they couldn't quite get the job done. But uh, there was an enormous improvement there. And that's going to be the big question if, if Australia can recapture that type of intensity. Um, I think if they do, they can they can beat Bangladesh. But the danger is, um, you know, we've had a couple of months now of just uncertainty around the game. Uh, you know, players perhaps not with that normal structure that they would have. I know players have been training on their own and things like that, but uh, it's possibly not the best preparation for a test tour. It's almost like we're sort of going in cold a little bit. So I think that's a worry. I think if yeah, if Australia if Australia can continue to um, can pick up from where they left off in India. I think they can win, but that's that's a that's a big question. Yeah, my big worry is preparation. I don't think we've had the preparation that we had going to India, and then there's also, you know, a few spots in the side that aren't cemented down. So let's talk about the balance of the Australian side. Let's start with the batting order. Obviously, no, both Marsh brothers aren't there. And then you've probably got three players vying for two spots. You've got Usman Kawaja, Hilton Cartwright, and Glenn Maxwell probably battling for two spots. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, I think Maxwell's a certain starter for mine. I mean, he batted very well when he got his chance in India, and I think that would be going backwards to... Uh, to not to not back him there, uh, so I think it probably comes down to Kawaja or Cartwright for uh, for a spot, possibly I guess at number three. Um, look, I'd probably be giving Uzi first crack at that. I mean, I know he struggled in Sri Lanka last year, but he, uh, you know, but if you look at his statistics, no one has scored more runs for Australia than than uh, than him, other than Dave Warner and Steve Smith over the last few years. So I think he he deserves first crack at that. But uh, they may look at at Hilton Cartwright and think that he offers a bit more versatility, being able to bowl a few overs and take a bit of pressure off uh, off the bowlers. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Um, I think Ashton Agar will get first crack alongside Nathan Lyon, and, and that's that's the big talking point for mine for the team. I think the rest of it will sort of take care of itself. But Agar in for Steve O'Keefe. It's a big gamble. There's no doubt about that um, by the selectors. They, they've decided to look to the future but if you look at their first-class records, O'Keefe and, and Agar up against each other, there's certainly a lot for um, for Agar to prove, in, in, particularly in terms of uh, consistency and um, you know being able to uh, to do a job for for Steve Smith for long periods of time. Yeah, you wrote in the Daily Telegraph about Stephen O'Keefe that O'Keefe is not in the Shane Warne category of irreplaceable. 
However, in his short stint in the baggy green, he showed he can be ultra-consistent and occasionally capable of brilliant moments. So I think you've nailed it on the head there with O'Keefe, such a consistent bowler. Why isn't he going? I mean, it, it just reeks of poor selection. You know, we did so well in India with O'Keefe tying up an end. Why would you not take him this time? I mean, if, if Agar doesn't bowl well, that leaves Australia in a really difficult position. Yeah, look, I, I think it is a big gamble. Um, Steve Smith's justification, not that he's a selector, but he explained this week that they've taken a view to this to the next time they go to India in uh, in 2021, which I know seems a long time away, but they want to have uh, a set of bowlers, I suppose, who uh, have real experience in subcontinental conditions over there. And, I mean, Agar's the, the guy that they, they really believe in. They have for a long time. I mean, ever since he got thrown in the deep end for that Trent Bridge test. And there's no doubt about Agar as a... Um, yeah, his his talent is is undeniable, and and he's got a lot better, hasn't he? I mean, I, I watched him bowl yeah. last summer. You can't compare his bowling last summer to say three years ago. I mean, there's a lot more work mm. on the ball. His action has a lot more vigor in it. He's just a better bowler. And look, I mean, selectors would would never say this, but but I don't think there's any denying that they don't really uh, take Sheffield Shield bowling averages for spinners on face value. I mean, you've got to go on like Agar, who bowls over at the Wacker. You know, there's no doubt that they don't um, that the bowling averages for uh, spinners in Australia is not the be all and end all in the eyes of sort eyes of the selectors, and they feel like Agar's got something. Look, I think that what's happened here is perhaps that in many ways Australia weren't counting on this tour going ahead. Originally, it seemed like uh, these would be one dayers and there wouldn't be Test matches associated with them. I think maybe there there had been a a bit of a decision to move on from Steve O'Keefe and then all of a sudden this has come back on the horizon and, and they've decided to stick with their guns. So, look, it's a bold call and uh, we won't be able to judge it, I suppose, until um, Agar's actually had a crack. But, yeah, look, it's, it's a big it's a big call to leave Steve O'Keefe at home based on how he went in India. You were there in India. The one test match we won, Stephen O'Keefe bowled us to victory. So, And you look at the... Mm. Bangladesh attack. They've got a couple of bowlers that bowl very similar to Stephen O'Keefe. So, as I said, for him not even to be in the squad is just mind blowing. And as I said, I think to Macker on the last show, if it's got to do with off-field stuff, just say it. Just say, look, he's not yeah. eligible for selection for New South Wales, so he's not eligible for selection for Australia. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think you know, if they if they had dropped him due to behavioural issues, um, it would be more understandable than trying to, um, to to point to statistics or form because, uh, I mean, he may have bowled a little bit below par or, or a bit below par for that last test in India, but I think for the first three, um, he, he did his job. So the attack then should be Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelnut, uh, Nathan Lyon and Ashton Agar. Uh, just backtracking to the batting, uh, yeah, I'm happy with Maxwell in at six, and I think that if Cartwright were to get picked ahead of Kawaja, that would probably do a lot to damage Usman's mental state because he sort of struggled mm. through India sitting on the sideline. Then he went through the IPL sitting on the sideline. He's hardly played any cricket. I just think if mm. they were to bring in Cartwright, who's unproven and only played one test match ahead of him, I think that would do real damage to Usman's psyche leading into the Ashes. Yeah, I agree. I think they will pick Kawaja. I think the selectors have got a lot better uh, since um, Trevor Holmes came in 
to the top job. I think they've got a lot better with with you know picking teams with with a fair bit of uh, of that kind of logic behind it um, and, and a bit of how do you say sort of like structure to the process. Um, I think um, I think Kawaja is the the rightful next man in line. Uh, he was unlucky in some ways to not get a start over Sean Marsh in India. So I think for, for a lot of reasons he deserves the first chance at it and I think he'll get it. I mean, the, the selection of the all-rounders at the moment is is a, is a little bit confusing. I mean, Cartwright got his start in Sydney, didn't go to India. Stoinis came over to replace Mitchell Marsh in India. He's he's suddenly no, no longer in the squad. So it's a bit mix and match at the moment. There's no doubt that Cartwright's got some ability. Once he did get dropped from the test team um, after the Sydney match, he, he went back and made a lot of runs in Perth and, and overall had a very good Shield season. But based on what we saw in Sydney, there's there's probably still a bit of work for him to, to do in terms of his international game. Yeah, I think he's a really exciting batsman. His bowling's pretty... I mean, I sort of liken his bowling to Matt Haynes or Damien Martins. But yeah, I, I, you can't write a big burly hitter, so and he could come in down the order if we... if. We need someone. So, look, it'll be a really interesting series. I think if Australia are to win, we need to bat a bit better than we did in India. We had a real opportunities to ram home the advantage in the second and fourth test with the bat and maybe win a historic victory in India, and we let it slip through our fingers. So I think really it comes down to how well we can bat in Bangladesh. Absolutely, yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, as much pressure as there is on Agar, um, you know, the bowlers certainly did their job over in in India, uh, I think. And I think, again, you can have a fair bit of confidence in, in Cummins and Hazelwood to, to do a bit of damage just with their sheer speed. So, yeah, the, the batting is the big thing. Steve, quite simply, there's a, Steve Smith needs a couple of batsmen to go with him, basically, doesn't he? I mean, he needs, uh, he needs support. Um, he scored 499 runs in, um, in India, three, 300s, uh, which is for memory up there with, uh, the best ever by a touring batsman in India. So he couldn't have done any more. He just needed a bit of support. I think Australia did learn some real lessons over there, but then there was just that one moment, um, in the fourth test where it all fell apart in one session. So that was unfortunate given the inroads that they'd made. They really only needed to take that match perhaps one day longer and, uh, and they could have won the series. Now, I've got a headline for you, Benny. This is a big series for David Warner. Perhaps, I wouldn't say make or break, but it is certainly Warner's reputation as a, a flat-track bully is on the line at the moment. He's struggled overseas. I mean, he has to turn around. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, uh, he, he's got as much pressure on him as, as anyone going into this series. Um, we have seen him make hundreds before overseas. Uh, he made one in in the UAE um, like on a spinning wicket. Look, things didn't go his way in India. It sort of seemed a snowball for him. And, and by the fourth test, um, he just perhaps wasn't right, wasn't um, in the right space to score runs. But look, he's, he's a guy that it won't take much to, to turn things around. You know, he's just got to Aussie wickets. get himself in the, Aussie yeah, get himself in the, yeah, get, get himself in the, in, in the zone. I think if he passes 50, he'll be hard to stop. He did get a couple of starts in, in Bangladesh, but then just seemed to, sorry, in India, and seemed to find different ways to, to get himself out. But yeah, he's he's the key man. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I think it's, I think he will turn it around. I think he, he has in the past faced um, a couple of forks in the road like this, and he's found a way to overcome it. So I think he's too good a player to um, to keep going, uh, you know, without any without any runs overseas. He can use David Peaver as his motivation when he heads out to bat. Um, <laughs> 
Now, just uh, but before we move on quickly, I just want to ask you, if Australia loses this test series in Bangladesh, what sort of, uh, I mean, can you imagine a sort of media storm that would erupt? Australia's never lost a series to Bangladesh. I don't think we've ever lost a test match. So, yeah. you know, it uh, is poised for some history to be made, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it would. It, it definitely would. It, I was there when Australia lost to Zimbabwe in a one day a couple of years ago, and that created a, a real storm. I, I guess the, the part that's that possibly um, the, the average uh, punter wouldn't, Realise is, is I suppose the level to which Bangladesh have improved, but even so, it would be a uh, it would be a fairly substantial upset, and especially with everything that happened with the MOU. Not that I think the players were in the wrong, but there's just natural pressure there from from the public that they'll expect they'll expect results. So I think coming from that, there's there's certainly added pressure on the Australian team to um, you know follow up that whole kind of saga with uh, with performances on the board. I agree. So we're, I'm going to let you go in a minute, Ben. But I've got one. I've got a couple of headlines, or one headline I run run past you that you you wrote uh, last week that India are thwarting cricket's plans for inclusion at the Olympic Games. So uh, there's a big push to get T20 cricket into the Olympics to really kickstart the growth of T20 cricket worldwide. But you you wrote something that India aren't so keen. Do you want to explain to me and the listeners what's going on there? Well, quite simply, um, India, the BCCI, the Indian Cricket Board, are at loggerheads and have been for a long time with the Indian Olympic Committee um, being a government organisation. So they basically hate each other. And uh, and because of that, it's very hard to see India changing their mind on the Olympics. I mean, they've been against it from the start. Um, and it's still to come down to a, a final vote, I think, or a final, um, a final agreement at board level. But at this stage... They're against it, and uh, without their support, the ICC basically can't go to the IOC and make a bid for uh, for what would be inclusion in the 2024 and 2028 Olympics. So, I mean, it's a yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, it's debatable what men's cricket's inclusion in the Olympics would do for the men's game, but I think for the, the women's game, it would be enormous. And you know, we've seen. Sports like um, sevens rugby uh, with the with the Australian women winning gold there, what what that sort of did, the publicity that that generated, and you know if you, you look at cricket where women's cricketers are already um, well ahead, I suppose of where rugby is in this country, I think it would give them a real uh, pinnacle event and uh, and a chance to to really to really build that game internationally. We know how strong Australia is, but the the, the some of the other countries around the world. Uh, we need them to invest more in women's cricket. And obviously, if the Olympics is in, if the cricket's in the Olympics, then governments like China and the USA uh, around the world will start pumping money into their domestic cricket. Mm. That's right. Yeah, I mean exactly. I mean the USA is a disaster um, in cricket. I mean they they can't get their board functioning to the level where they're even accepted by the ICC. So that would give a big opening. I mean. Those, you know, countries, non-cricketing countries, you know, perhaps that's that's a long, long way in the future that they would ever get to any kind of level to to be competitive uh, with the with the top nations. But I think for for women's cricket, certainly it could be achieved quicker. And yeah, look, I think it would be a, a massive, massive thing for women's cricket. I mean, just to even look at countries like uh, India. I know they just made the World Cup final um, over in over in England, but. The amount of you know money that should be poured into Indian women's cricket and isn't you know that that 
that those kind of countries like India, Sri Lanka, um, it would be great, to, and South Africa, it would be great to see them, you know, really lift the, the standard as well. And it comes down to the old thing that if it's not good for the BCCI, then they will not move on it. <laughs> That's right. Um, now, I'm going to let you go, Benny. Uh, thanks for your time today. Just a couple of quick questions before I go. Uh, you know, mm. you, you followed this Australian cricket team all summer, all year, basically. Have you ever written anything and then a player's come up to you and just said, you know, I can't believe you wrote that and was really upset, giving you a bit of the hairdryer? You don't have to name a name. but <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you wish it didn't. Uh, it's not well, – certainly uh, my personality doesn't really enjoy that kind of thing. But, yeah, it certainly happens from time to time. It's sort of part of the job. You know, I've found most times you can sort of work through those uh, – issues or misunderstandings. I mean, I think that players are generally pretty good about understanding that the, the media's got a bit of a job to do. Um, I guess they just, uh, yeah, they, they expect certain um, uh, fairness, I suppose, from the press, which which is fair enough. But, yeah, look, I think it's inevitable in in, uh, in this caper that you, you have to butt heads occasionally, unfortunately. I mean, do you even care if a player gives you a bit of the hairdryer? I mean, it seems like if you're doing your job well, you're going you're gonna to cop it every now and then and you just have to take it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's always, um, it's always a bit confronting when you when you have a confrontation, I suppose. But yeah, it's all part of the, it's all part of the job, and um, it's something that, yeah, I'm used to now. I mean, I used to um, work in your favourite sport, rugby league, menace. So there's <laughs> certainly a lot more of it in that sport than there is in cricket. I can tell you that. Yeah, you don't <laughs> seem to write a lot of hit pieces about the Aussie players. I mean, everything I've read of yours is usually pretty fair. It's not hugely opinion based or calling for someone's mm. head. So I'd be surprised if they uh, really went at you. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, it, al- it always depends, to be honest, on what's happening on the field, really. I mean, if the Australian team's winning, then, um, you know, then it, it all seems, it, it all goes in the one direction. But if, if, if things are going off the rails, then uh, it sort of follows that there's a bit more angst. So it sort of depends how the team's going. I think they're, they're in a good rebuilding phase at the moment, as we talked about this series is a huge sort of acid test I suppose like you, they won't want to go backwards from where they were in India <laughs> they but might not uh, want to read the papers either yeah but certainly the I think some really strong uh, building blocks were were laid in India so let's see if the if the Aussies can can convert that and uh, if they can I think they'll be setting themselves up pretty well for an ashes series well, what a positive note to end the podcast on, Ben. Thanks so much for the time. I know you gave the listeners a lot to digest there. So thank you for being part of episode 199. <laughs> Thanks for having us, man. It's great fun. Steve, are you ready? Matt Fingal trying to put a spill on the Australians. Welcome back to the Australian Cricket Podcast. That was the second Australian to be dismissed for 199 in Test Cricket. One of my personal heroes, Steve Waugh. And if you had the vision of that sound, you could see that the ball looked like it was missing leg stump. So Steve Waugh robbed of a 200 in Test Cricket, and I still haven't got over it. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode with Ben Horn. Remember, please, if you've got any emails or you want to make a contribution to the 200th episode, please email me at ozcricketpod, that's A-U-S, cricketpod at gmail.com. You can tweet us at ozcricketpod, A-U-S, cricketpod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at the same, at ozcricketpod. So please get in touch before the 200th episode. We'll be reading some of the best emails that we've got leading up to the show. And of course, the Have A Go Your Mug promotion is still going on. So if you've got time, please leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or whatever app you listen to the show. Well, thanks again for Ben Horn for his uh, time. And we'll be back with the 200th episode next week. It's a shout for LBW. It's fall. He's given him. Can you believe it? Third Australian batsman to be out for 199.